As we continue worshiping together, please rise as you are able for our scripture lesson. You may turn to your favorite Bible app or the Pew Bible and receive this reading from Luke chapter 10. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, and when he saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Receive what the Spirit is saying. And all God's people said, amen. Oof. Stanley, come on, man. You can't open up for me like that. Making me uncomfortable. Oh! <laughs> well, good morning to each and every one of you here. It is a joy and delight to be here this morning. My name is Pastor Jonathan Brown, and I am the Director of Discipleship here at Founder United Methodist Church. And I am still getting used to, after these past few months of regularly doing the children's sermon, getting up and talking. No one is running at me right now. Um, so I'm still not used to that. But if you're joining us online, feel free to also scooch closer to the screen. And if you're here with us, you can also scooch forward. Um, our online hospitality team is putting in any links or can answer any questions you have. And we're just so glad that you have joined us this day. I want to thank Servant Leader Will for reading us our scripture this morning. One that we, many of us, are fairly familiar with. The good old parable of the Good Samaritan. So it should be a fairly easy Sunday, right? I mean, we know the Good Samaritan. And Jesus said, don't be a jerk. And that kind of is what we boil it down to so frequently. I don't know, that could just be my experience growing up with this parable. I found so often in my life growing up in the church, that was the message. Be nice. We can kind of 
we put the material together to make those points. I, does anyone remember watching VHS tapes of animated versions of this? I remember watching those and those cats looked a lot like me. I remember hearing the story at different Sunday school lessons or vacation Bible schools and then getting those like uh, Xerox coloring sheets to fill in like coloring the Samaritan and the injured man at the end. Once again, everyone kind of looked the same. In all the times the church taught me that lesson, it was always, well, there were two guys and they were mean and they did nothing for the man who was mugged and beaten. And then there was a nice guy who took care of the injured man. This guy took the injured man to the inn. This guy took care of him for a night. He opened a tab in his name and promised to pay the bill. This nice man expected nothing in return. Be like the nice guy was the, is the message of the story. And to be fair, that is rooted in truth. Jesus wants us to imitate, imitate the behavior of the third man. Despite some of our representation in the news, I do believe Jesus does not want us to be jerks. Jesus does not want us to ignore those among us who are hurting and suffering. We are called to be good neighbors. But we face a problem. We come at this story in a modern context. And in the context of Protestant, US-based Christians, we lose the social challenge of the parable. We fail to see how every aspect of this story is intentional and crafted with a purpose. And so often we, we lose the framing device that sets the story up. Generally, we just kind of jump right into the parable. We forget that Jesus isn't just hanging out with the disciples. He's not just sitting under a tree pondering life, the universe, and everything, which is 42. Jesus doesn't just go into this randomly. The story has a context within the larger gospel of Luke. When we tell the story of the Samaritan, the good one, in verses chapter 10, 30 through 36, it is paramount that we do not forget the story of the lawyer that surrounds the parable in chapters 10, verses 25 through 29, and returns in 37. I mean, come on. We're founder of United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C. We can't forget a lawyer. The lawyer enters into the story and begins as an, in an adversarial role with Jesus. I also want to take a moment to apologize. Just a quick FYI, those among us uh, that are lawyers, this guy does not really reflect well on your profession. 
Uh, don't worry. Jesus is going to go after the religious leaders too. So I'm right there with you. But just a heads up and, you know, a light trigger warning. Just wanted to have you warned as we ventured forward. From the very get-go of their interaction, the lawyer is trying to trip Jesus up. The questions he is throwing at Jesus are a test. He is looking for Jesus to mess up. He's hoping for a hint of blasphemy. He's hoping for a sense of hypocrisy. Just something that a lawyer, he as a lawyer can pounce on and eviscerate the work of Christ. The lawyer feels justified in doing this. To be a lawyer in Jesus' time is a privileged position. It is someone who has the time and resources to devote themselves to study. This is not someone who has to worry where their next meal is going to come from. And in this context, it is extremely likely it means they come from a family that has afforded them this opportunity. The lawyer sees Jesus as a threat to all of that. Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Luke, is challenging the very institutions that have afforded the lawyer privilege. Jesus is trying to equalize all fields. Jesus is trying to destroy the boundaries that hold this lawyer up. It makes sense that this guy comes to trip up Jesus. It benefits him to do so. At the very least, if he gets Jesus to trip up, he can discount the call that Jesus is placing on his life and sleep a little easier. So the cross-examination begins. The lawyer asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus recognizes the figure before him. And instead of answering outright, he turns it around and asks the lawyer, well, what does the law say? And this is such a great moment. This is such a great story moment because our antagonist does something very interesting right here. He does something that those steeped in the gospel tradition might not expect an antagonist to Jesus does. He responds with, you shall love your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Whoa, maybe this guy and Jesus are a little more on the same page than we realize. 
I mean, so many times we hear Jesus respond with that very answer. That's very commonplace in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew. This response comes from the book of books of Deuteronomy and the books uh, the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus. And noted New Testament scholar Alan Culpepper notes in his commentary on Luke that this answer is actually connected to the Shema, a prayer that both of these men, both of these practicing Jewish men, would recite twice a day. They should be on the same page with this response, and maybe this lawyer isn't as antagonistic as we thought he would be. And it is right here that Jesus, and what I see as an act of compassion, offers an off-ramp. Maybe a time to put this conversation to bed and just part where we agree. Go do that. They're almost like a Looney Tune character. That lawyer can't leave well enough alone. He wants his time to shine. He thinks digging into specifics is how he can trip Jesus up. The lawyer wants to make things uncomfortable. Verse 29 reads, But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And... Who is my neighbor? But Jesus, being a little more crafty than that, doesn't take the bait head on. He decides to tell a story. He decides to create a moment. Instead of just giving a flat, basic answer, He turns to art. And if I'm 100% honest, it is moments like these that when Christ is asked questions, he tells a story and makes it real that really allow me to call Christ my God. Hmm. Christ tells us, the lawyer expects him to zig left and Jesus zags right. And so we begin to get this story, and Christ first introduces us to a man who has been attacked and robbed. And in this story, this is the figure that Christ gives the least amount of attention and description to. And in any many narrative theories, when the storyteller leaves out details, it serves as an invitation. Serves as an invitation for the audience to begin to fill in for that character, build that character themselves. This means this figure, this suffering and hurting figure can be anyone in our minds. It can be our parents. It can be our next door neighbor. And so often when we have these moments, we see ourselves And I think that is something Jesus is trying to get at. 
any and everyone can be someone who is suffering and hurt on their path by what the world has thrown at them. And those people, all people, need help. And Jesus continues on with this story and chooses to include more detail about the next character we encounter. And this is the first character to come upon the man who has been beaten and robbed. And this is a priest, one of the highest ranking figures in Jesus' society. This is a religious and communal leader. He would know the law. He would be favored by many. He would enjoy a fairly comfortable lifestyle and the respect of many in the community. The cultural expectation is right here. This should be our hero. This is who we as a people have lifted up. Yet Jesus is countercultural. And the priest does what so many privileged people do when they are uncomfortable with what lays in front of them. He crosses to the other side of the road. Told you religious leaders weren't going to look too good in this. Jesus continues and brings a second figure onto the stage. This is a Levite, someone of the priestly class, most likely someone who works in the temple. Another person who is lifted up by his peers, kind of just one rung down on the societal ladder from the priest. And I mean, surely, if the priest didn't help that guy, the next guy down will. I mean, we lift these guys up too. But the man in front of him makes him uncomfortable. And instead of dealing with pain and suffering of others, he crosses to the other side of the road. If you give me a quick footnote here, I do want to take a moment and return to our lawyer that's trying to trap Jesus. The priest and the Levite most likely would have been the same societal rung as the lawyer. But, you know, to quote meme culture, that's not my business. Now, we continue on the st- in the story, and there's what we have, the rule of three. It is very common in storytelling from anywhere on the world. When we hit the third part of the pattern, something should break it up. We are conditioned to see, well, if these first two guys did something, if a third guy comes along, it's going to disrupt things. It should be the person that breaks the pattern. Now, the next player on the stage should be our hero. 
And if Jesus were a more conventional storyteller in following the pattern he set, should be about a middle-class Israelite. That should be the next person up. We're going down. And if we follow the rule of three, that should be the person that's the good guy. This is the person that should help the person who is suffering and hurting. And quite frankly, this is the person that would most likely look like a majority of Jesus's audience. So it would leave them with a good feeling. Oh, the hero looked like me. That's nice. But I am a child of the 90s. And I am influenced by some of the things that made impact on culture. And every so often, Jesus in my mind is very similar to a character from the show In Living Color. Homie to clown. And Jesus being who he is in this moment and facing expectation has his homie don't play that moment. Thank you. Jesus does something radical here. He gives the story. He gives the lawyer. He gives us a Samaritan. Well, who were the Samaritans? I mean, for years and years, I just thought that was like what you said for people who do good deeds. Like, we have good Samaritan awards, you know, help people out that need help, help change that flat tire. Oh, a good Samaritan helped me pump gas. Oh, wow, that good Samaritan really helped me out with leaving a penny. We kind of whitewash what a Samaritan is. And the actual truth is a far more complicated. And it just takes that answer and makes it look terrible. And I'm sorry for this. I've had these moments because I went to college and then grad school and then seminary. And they just take these rosy little moments and step on them and make it rethink them. Fun, the fun of deconstructing your own theology. The actual truth that is far more complicated. Because you see, in 722 B.C., the Assyrians conquered Israel and exiled a majority of the Israelites from their land. A small remnant remained. And then the Assyrians moved in other people into the land of Israel. And for that remnant, life continued with new neighbors and new community partners. And naturally, the remnant intermingled with the new people in the land. They developed new customs and cultural norms as they adopted things and shedded things. And in doing so, they gave rise to a new people, the Samaritans. And in 538, the Israelites were allowed to return to Israel. And upon returning to their homeland, they discovered the Samaritans and, had, and saw what their kinfolk had become. And immediately they rejected them as a people. They failed to see their humanity. They saw them as unclean because they had broke the boundaries that had been so important. 
So the Israelites forbade contact with the Samaritans. They erected systems and institutions of segregation against the Samaritans. In Jesus' context, Israelites in good standing believed themselves to be better than Samaritans. And they propped up the systems to maintain this imagined superiority. It is very, very, very likely that an Israelite lawyer would buy into this type of racism, elitism, and exclusivism. And when Jesus presents the character of the Good Samaritan, he's not just giving the lawyer an example of how not to be a jerk. He is creating a figure that stands in complete contrast to the lawyer's privilege. Jesus is challenging the very systems that elevate the lawyer and allow him to think he is better. This moment is intentional. This moment is Jesus's Black Lives Matter moment. He is striking at a racial structure and he's not doing it with bland, well, racism's bad. All lives matter. No, he is being intentional and showing support for those who the systems have oppressed. The figure in the story could have been, could have, that helped the man who was a victim of crime could have been a blank every person. I mean, we've seen Jesus construct one of those. It's happened before. However, here he takes that ability to fill in the gaps away from the lawyer and away from those who hear the parable and those of us reading it today. He fills in the the blanks and makes it intentional. Jesus does not want those who are privileged to see themselves in this role in the story. He wants us to see those who have been oppressed by systems that create privilege and recognize that divine love resides there. The Oxford Bible Commentary states that the parable in its setting calls for the abandonment of all status, privilege, and exclusiveness. The lawyer tried to lead Jesus to an uncomfortable place. He tried to make him define who our neighbors are. He knew Jesus would have to give an answer that would either anger the upper echelons of society and maybe close some doors to him or alienate him from the people that had been responding to his message. Jesus could have given us, everyone is our neighbor. But that's not how Jesus operates. Jesus doesn't double talk and give responses and give vague responses. He tells a story where the lawyer has to confront his own racism, prejudice, and privilege head on. Jesus doesn't try to 
turn the conversation to a more polite place, hoping it'll pass briefly. Jesus makes the conversation more uncomfortable. I love this part because he realizes the lawyer's squirming and he makes the lawyer identify who the good example was. And man, that privilege, it has got the lawyer wrapped up. He can't even allow himself to say the word well, the Samaritan. When Jesus asked, which of these three do you think was a good neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer responds, and in my mind, he's looking at the ground, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus turns around, or turns back, and once more, go and do Likewise, this is an uncomfortable moment. Confronting bigotry and racism leads to uncomfortable moments. Times where dinner is ruined, time where relationships are challenged, times where we just want to enjoy what's going on. For those of us who are privileged, it is our desire to try and whitewash these conversations so we can just get on. We want to try and make them less controversial. We want to make these moments demand less of us. But my friends, that is not the example of Christ. We were never called to make people comfortable. We were called to be faithful to the spirit, life, and teachings of Jesus Christ. And often that means making bigotry and racism uncomfortable. So go and do likewise.